You are listening to the Creepy Motherfucking Podcast. Ha ha, strike me down, God. Ha ha, you cannot because I tied you up with Juju. Ha ha, this podcast is not safe for work or church or for consumption. No edits, talk, bad giddy, enjoy. <laughs> in the pantheon of like holy cow these things really exist and uh there is a written stimpy dark fan fiction and me being a child of the 90s of course i have to read this one this one is called my poor stimpy in 2004 one of the greatest cartoons ever created Ren and stimpy was canceled due to the inability of the writers to cope with the show's creator john crickfalusi <laughs> I actually can attest to this in a strange way. For a while, I was using Google Blogger, and so was John Kay. And he had this amazing blog, which I'm sure he still does, on Google Blogger, which has all this crazy rare uh, animation stuff, a lot of Hanna-Barbera stuff, a lot of early television animation, and it's really, really cool. You know, I would go and visit his site because I thought it was really cool, but every time I did, it would send his site about a million backlinks. So all of a sudden, I'm getting emails from John Kay, one of my childhood heroes, and... Hey, man. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, man, but stop sending all these backlinks to my site. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. I don't know what's going on. You know, I'll try and figure out how to fix it. And I couldn't figure out how to not do it. And, you know, I'd get stoned and go to his site again. And about two or three times later, it would just send him all these backlinks to all these posts I was putting up. And finally, I actually got an email from John K that said, it's out of control, man. And I really heard the, the Ren voice. It's out of control, man. Like it really what the, the email sounded like. <laughs> so I finally just got rid of it altogether and stopped going to his site just so I wouldn't keep offending my poor hero who was making this awesome blog. Uh, <laughs> but it says here, many former employees of Mr. Crickfalusi admitted that he was very difficult to work with and often asked for more than what the employees could put out. Soon Crickfalusi was completely out of riders and was still hungry. <laughs> In January 2004, he was sent a notice from Nickelodeon Studios saying that they were going to have to cancel the program unless more episodes were produced. And soon, Crick Falusi began the animation on the final episode of the cartoon from his home. During the process, he did not answer any calls from former employees or network executives until production was complete. In February of 2004, a copy of the episode was brought to Nickelodeon Studios and was proofed by his very good friend who shall not be named. Oh, this is heading down on the Lovecraft Road. Several Nickelodeon employees added that uh, Mr. Crickfalusi was beaming with excitement on that day and dripping with feces. Why are they always dripping with feces and cheap sweet whiskey? Mr. Crickfalusi was beaming with excitement on that day, while his good friend had a look of shame and skepticism on his face as he handed the tape over to them and then pulled his dress down as to not expose his balls. The next day, the tape was aired at 1.45 p.m. 
Rick Velusi stated that he only wanted a few kids to see the episode. Only the ones in his basement. As most would be at school. What followed was the final Nickelodeon airing of a new Red and Stimpy episode. The theme song began with a few oddities. There was a 10 second period of blackness and silence before the song started up. It was as lively as usual, with the colors looking more dull than before, fucking critic. The song ended and the show card appeared, with only Ren appearing on it. The title read, The Ren and Stimpy Show, but Stimpy was nowhere to be seen. Ooh, creepy. Oh, I'm gonna be up all night because Stimpy's not in the title card. There's actually very frightening things that happened on the Ren and Stimpy show, and that is not even close to when Ren would really get angry. <laughs> There's extras on some of those DVDs where you're like, holy fucking shit, dude. John Kay is a dark son of a biscuit-eating mother trucker. The episode's title card then appeared, reading, My poor Stimpy, with a drawing of Stimpy surrounded by darkness, facing away from the camera. The credits all read, Me instead of the name of the writer or animator. The episode began outside of their trailer park home, focusing in on a mailbox. The colors were much darker than usual. Ren burst through the door and ran to the mailbox, pulling out a large package. His eyes bulged out of his head with excitement as he comically sniffed the box all over and began to shout with joy. The strange part was that there, 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 there was no audio for Ren's dialogue, but there was music. He ran inside and slammed the door. He tore through that package and removed an autographed vinyl record. The autograph being too illegible to read, he placed the record in a display case over the mantel. Stimpy now came into frame, looking bruised bleeding from his asshole, but still as dopey and happy as usual with that needle hanging out of his arm, he said to Ren, Gee, Ren, that's one fancy record. My voice game is not on today. Ren turned around and yelled at Stimpy, again muted. His eyes were vicious looking, and his hands trembled in rage. He pushed Stimpy into the wall and punched him in the stomach, more brutally than usual. Stimpy peered up at the record, looking forlorn, and began to weep. Oh, he's so battered. This is terrible. The scene ended on Stimpy crying as the scene faded to Bliznak. The next scene began with Ren sitting at the table reading the newspapers. The next scene began with Ren sitting at the table reading a newspaper. Stimpy is playing with a baseball outside. The ball is seen crashing through the window and barely missing the record. He very carefully retrieves the ball, not wanting to upset Ren, because Ren is a terribly abusive husband and will beat the fuck out of him until he can no longer walk. <laughs> Stimpy climbs down from the mantle. He slips. Oh, and he pulls the record down with him. There is no music at this point. No sound at all, actually, except for a low pitch humming. Ren looks at Stimpy, then at the record. This is where the episode becomes too strange to ignore. Ren's eyes were extremely small and sunken in his head. His lips quivered with frustration. He began to make strange choking and hacking throat noises. His first sounds of the episode, Stimpy begins to cower, looking truly fearful. This was definitely not the same comical anger that Ren displays in other episodes. It was just plain morbid. The screen slowly zoomed into his face as the humming grew louder. After roughly 45 seconds of this strange display, the screen fades to black again. The final scene began. 
Ren was sitting in his chair, only illuminated by the light of the television. The TV was tuned to the Muddy Mudskipper show. The camera again panned to Ren's face. He looked sleep-deprived and had a sullen look in his eyes. As the camera stayed glued to his face, another strange sound began to rise. This time, it was a low, very unsettling, rumbling noise. After 30 seconds, Ren finally blinked and spoke his first line of the episode. He said in a low tone, this was his favorite show. The camera panned to the right and revealed a large black lump behind Ren's chair. <laughs> Whoever wrote this like, was binge-watching Ren and Stimpy and then just stopped for a while and then made a pizza and then watched Audition. <laughs> the camera again slowly zoomed. <sighs> the camera again slowly zoomed into the big black lump. After a good full minute, color illuminated by the shapeless blob, Stimpy's body was lying on its side, surrounded by shards of broken glass and smashed record pieces. That's what you get for fucking with my record, stupid. His fur was mangled and dirty. While his hand was laid over his ear, he was faced away from the camera with something written on his back. The image was drawn in a realistic way that Crick Falusi tended to animate certain scenes. That's what it says. The image was drawn in a realistic way that Crick Falusi tended to animate certain scenes. I, I think we get the general idea, but yeah. It's wrong! Ren began to weep uncontrollably in his chair. The TV shut off, leaving only the sound of Ren's sobs for several minutes before the episode ends, fading to black. The episode was pulled from the air immediately, and the show was discontinued. Crick Falusi said that My Poor Stimpy was just an animation project and was not the episode that he intended to show. Ren and Stimpy's adult party cartoon soon aired on Spike TV. Okay. Good evening, this is Creepy Willie and welcome to the Creepy News, a new segment on the Creepy Podcast that allows me to flex my journalistic love muscle. Oh baby, do not cook that, I like it raw, keeping it dirty. Our first story comes from unexplainedmysteries.com. Gags the Clown, good god, already a creepy name, anyone named Gags, for real, Gags, Gags, Gags was spotted around Green Bay, posted on Wednesday, the 3rd of August, 2016, an individual dressed up as a clown has been seen hanging around, I remember that song, in the early hours of the morning, the mysterious character, who has come to be known as Gaggus, you had better stay back Gaggus, Willie does not play that, is typically seen wandering the streets with a face full of makeup, cocaine and bull semen, delicious, a shabby clown costume and a handful of black balloons full of goldfish piss, sightings of him have become so common in fact that a Facebook page entitled Gaggus, the green bay clown that shoves his man chicken down your windpipe, has been set up to provide with with a place to upload their photographs, schedule meetups, hold each other and cry like banshees that have been gagged by a creepy ass clown. Holy sheep sheet, these pictures are creepy as fuck yo. 
no conclusive explanation for the phenomenon has yet been found. However, one commenter has claimed that the clown may have been part of a short horror film being shot in the area. Okay then, so how come there were no cameras and lighting and sound people and for fuck's sake run, he is going to gag the fuck out of you. Sightings of strange clowns have actually been on the rise in recent years with multiple prominent cases occurring in France, England, Australia, New York and California. The most recent, which took place at Carroll University in Waukesha, Wisconsin, involved a local teenager who had been dressing up as a clown in an effort to scare unsuspecting passers-by. Okay, this gag's clown sounds like an ass clown. What a penis with ears. Our next story comes from ParanormalGlobe.com Man spots mysterious figure, stalking him after looking through old photos. What? Really? What the actual fuck yo? Hell to the no. Hell mother trucking. No way Jose, I will stop your face off with a knife Mr. No Face, that just got his face knifed off. A-H-H, jeez, creepy shit man. One man's holiday snaps from years past may have revealed something truly terrifying, his truly horrific fashion sense. I mean look at those bright neon green glow-in-the-dark speedos. They look like pastry. Yum, tasty. Do not forget to bast me. I will be your Thanksgiving turkey lover. Reddit user Baysoy took a photos using his iPhone 4 outside Brazil's Recife airport in 2012. But it was only later that he spotted the spooky figure behind him in the second selfie, viciously stroking his man chicken as if going for a new land. Speed record. Speed. He was also on speed. Yes. Speed. Wonderful speedy. Sigh. Some viewers suggested it was an alien ghost figure or the nightmarish character, the Slender Man. Others offered more pragmatic suggestions, claiming it was just a woman passing by walking through the shot. But if that's true, it's unclear how she appeared on one photo but not the other taken a moment before. Oh shit there is the photo. Shit. Shit. I smell shit. I have shit. I shit myself. I am sitting in shit. Shit. Crap. Doopy doo doo farts. Basoy wrote, I just took a few quick snaps and sent one of them to a WhatsApp group. The rest of the images just sat on my phone, like I sit in chat, for a while until I was sliding through them later and noticed the thing, just like I am sliding through my pants because I am lubricated with my own discharges. He added, Recife is a cool place. I've been there a couple of times since. No creepy images of slender men since though. Selfies taken a moment apart should tourist photographing his reflection on arrival at an airport. The first shows him and his camera reflected in the black glass surface, but the second reveals an unexpected visitor. Walking just behind him is a bizarre slender figure with a long head whose presence went unnoticed for years. Oh shit there it is again. Fuck me running. I cannot stop crapping myself. Oh it burns. It burns us. Hey, super drunk person. Can you take over while I run and hide somewhere with a tub of tux medicated pads and a 
plastic bottle of vodka. Sure you shitty pants wearing fool. I do not see why the funk not let us get the hell down. Where is my moonshine? Where is my liver? I must punish my liver. Anywho, slur, slur. S-L-U-R-R-R-R-R What the hell are we doing? Reading? Why? Never mind, this is some shit from a website called ViralNova.com If you read these six unexplained paranormal stories, you won't sleep tonight Well, I will just have to be the freaking judge of that now, won't I? Trump, do not drive me back into the warm embrace of white drugs, for real, do not, stop trying to make me, oh okay, sniff, sniff, there is never a shortage of scary campfire stories, however, as scary as they can be, we can all take solace in that they there are just stories. Yet there are some paranormal stories that are actual accounts of spooky things happening, making the narrative way more potent. Below are some of the creepiest true happenings that aren't just stories. 1. In 1995, a man named Terry Cottle killed himself by firing a .22 round into his brain. As an organ donor, he gave his heart to a 57-year-old man named Sonny Graham. But when Sonny met Terry's widow, something strange happened. He shit himself for 20 straight agonizing minutes. It was the kind of shit you would classify as a hot lobster, because it burns and pinched in this lobster head razor blade. Alcohol claws, pinky, glug, glug. Sonny met with Terry's widow to thank her for the heart and instantly fell in love with her. They were married in 2004. After four years, their relationship followed similar patterns as Terry's, to the point where Sonny also eventually shot himself in the head. Well, I would not go blaming that on the heart transplant, not so fast, there is another common factor, am I wrong? I am drunk. Yes, drunk am I. Number 2. In 1976, a man named Alan Shari killed fellow hospital worker Teresa Dabasa by stabbing her and setting her body on fire. There was little evidence linking Shari to the murder. In fact, the only evidence police had was an account from the only witness, Teresa Dabasa. A year after Bossa's death, another worker at the same hospital, Remiku, claimed she saw an apparition of Bossa haunting the lounge. Kua soon began to act uncharacteristically. She started singing songs she never knew and roamed the halls as if in a trance. One evening, she came to her family and spoke to them in Bossa's voice, naming Shauri as her murderer. Sure enough, when police investigated Shauri's home, they found many of Boss's belongings, forcing Shauri to confess. To this day, no one can explain how or why this happened to Ramiku. Sounds like someone saw the movie Ghost with Whoopi and Swayze. Burn. In 1973, a boy named Greg Garrett was playing in his backyard in Enfield, Illinois, when he was attacked. However, it wasn't by a person, and the description of the attacker fit that of no animal anyone had ever heard of before. 
I am sure it was just Willie. He gets really hungry after cooking meth for 12 straight days. Hardworking man with no penis he is. Anywho. Thus began the legend of the Enfield Horror. Illinois. Oh mythical monster. Ew. What a beast. Roar. Every person who witnessed the beast describes it the same. Three legs. Ew. Tripod hut. Five feet tall. Till and arms that curl in the front of the torso like a T-Rex. And gleaming red eyes that peer out of the dark with a weird radiance. Kind of like Peter Murphy after he has been cooking meth for 12 days. Hardworking man that Murphy. He has a penis. I love meth. Where am I? On the floor. Oh, that means there is a bottle over here. Yay, glug. I am bored, Willie. Can I go vomit now? I have to ask Jason. Really? Fuck Jason. Oh, hi Jason. You look hot today. You should drink some cold water to cool yourself off. Can we stop these stories, Huck? Okay. Coolio, let us rock out with the creepy podcast. Enjoy the show, folks. It has been a while since the last one. We might really suck now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Creepy Podcast. This is Jason Nevermind, and uh, it's been a while. I haven't seen you in a minute. It's, it's good to see you because you know I can see you. I can see you. Today's episode, I thought maybe I would kind of start off slow since it's been a while since I've, I've dipped into the creepy pasta, since I've swum in the pasta. I, I went to the lost episodes section because <laughs> I'm fascinated with <laughs> why people write this shit. But here we go, because <laughs> the first one I saw when I went to creepypasta.wikia.com under lost episodes was... Alf Autopsy. Okay. Now, I'm a child of the 80s. I was born in 1976. I am coming up on age 40, so I'm pretty sure I'm going through what is hopefully a midlife crisis. I mean, like, I'm assuming that the way I live is going to render me another 40 years on this planet. That might not happen. You have to understand how weirdly this is implanted in my head. Alf was a TV show in the 80s, of course, if you don't know about it. It was also a cartoon later. I was so immersed in ALF culture at the time that I actually remember the lyrics to the theme song to the cartoon. Not to the actual TV show, but to the cartoon. ALF, which stood for Alien Life Form, he was like a short little hairy alien with like a weird face that crash landed in this family's living room and they had to keep him secret or else the government would stick things up his butt and cut him into pieces and stuff. But okay, yeah, I get that. And that's, that's noble of the family. But the guy's a fucker. Like really, ALF is really like a super irresponsible, middle-aged, deadbeat loser who all he really wants to do is eat the cat. And I never really understood the subtext of that until now. I mean, really, I wonder if that was intentional. I don't know. But yeah, Elf was a jerk. He was basically a... Wow, I feel like I described myself in a weird way. 
<laughs> Alf, uh, his name was Gordon Shumway, and he just happened to... For, I don't even remember why he left his planet. He wasn't special. Maybe they just tried to get rid of him like a crazy person on the bus that they sent to San Francisco or something. Yeah, Alf Autopsy. Uh, <laughs> also, strange side note. <laughs> we're going to be talking about Alf. I always felt that Mr. Ed was actually astral projecting into Alf's body in some weird alternate TV universe because they're essentially the same character. Alf Autopsy, a.k.a. Consider Me Gone, Part 2. Oh, I hope I don't need to know about Part 1. Remember Laserdisc? No, me neither. <laughs> I'd heard of them but never seen one, as the format was extremely rare in Europe. Until I went to Japan about five years ago. It's got this reputation as being... It's got this reputation as being... B-E-E-N, a country in the future, comma, and yes, there is technology everywhere. Some of it cutting edge. But you're just as likely to find fax machines, toaster ovens, punch cards, floppy dick discs, and indeed, laser discs. In Osaka, Japan's second city, a giant megalopolis of epic... In Osaka, Japan's second city, a giant megalopolis of epic overpasses and neon lights. Laser discs are even today readily available. No shit, this is fascinating shit. In Denden Town, the city's electronics and otaku haven, laser discs line shelves alongside VHS and Duvde. It's spelled DVD, Duft, whatever that is. Wish, VHS, Wish, and Duft. I was over there to work as an English teacher, but in my spare time, I wandered around the multi-titudinous. I walked around the descriptive word alleyways, subways, and high streets, exploring, walking, drinking sake, one cups, and eating takawasa and gaiosa at all hours, <sighs> and then shitting myself the entire next day because that really turns your intestines into pudding. So much delicious pudding. In the district of Denden Towny, I'm just reading what's here, also known as Nipponbashi, there was plenty to interest the Western tourist. Spank, 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 spank. Made cafes with young women and so soubrette cosplay, serving tea from bone china teapots in response to the delicate little bells placed on each table. Multi-story manga and anime stories with seven feet tall Gundam guarding the doorways. I remember a strange, unmarked doorway. <laughs> the doorknob was greasy. <laughs> It was the weasel. The only information on the sign outside being a colorful drawing of an angry carrot with muscular arms talking about rowboating, uh, wearing high heels and stockings. Ooh, cross-dressing carrot. Sign me up, man. It's good for your eyes. I never stepped through that door and probably never will. <laughs> I'm not secure enough to hang out with vegetables that are longer than three inches. <laughs> especially ones in high heels, because it just makes them taller. And I just, mm -hmm. no, no, I don't want my face in your armpit, no. Like I said before, this is Jason, never mind. And this episode is about lost episodes, and we're reading about Alf, right? Because that's what we're reading about right now. I'm feeling a very large lack of Alf in this fucking story already. Just God fucking damn it. Where's the fucking alien life? Where's Gordon? Yo, where Gordo at, yo? I, I need him to make some quips and just try to eat the cat. <laughs> ha! Oh, let me eat that cat! Ha! I, I can't do a good Alf, but he used to kind of talk like that. Another thing you need to know about Japan as a whole is that it has a homeless problem. There seems to be no support structure at all for people with social problems. Unemployment poverty, drug dependency, not even an attempt to sweep them out of sight. 
No beautification. That's terrible. Alongside many roads, under bridges, on traffic islands, and in city parks, people are living in tents, bivouacs, and semi-permanent shacks or sheds. Some of these guys are in terrible states. I once saw an old man step out of his roadside shed in bare feet, his toes and toenails so mangled they look like broken bones sticking out of stumpy raw flesh. Others are fairly well-dressed like salarymen, down on their luck, even Osaka Sho Cohen. The grounds to Osaka's famous castle, where Tokugawa defeated the Toyotami in 1615, establishing the 250-year dominance of the Tokugawa Shogunate, has inhabited shacks and terrapollen strung up between the cherry blossoms. Where the fuck is Alfio? Where's... I'm seeing Alf. Okay. Um, this is a lot to go through to get to Alf. I'm just, okay, you're obviously going to find some kind of, like, where do you find the laser discs? That's where we're going, right? Ah, dead bird, sodden pair of trousers. Here we go. And we arrive to a 12-inch by 12-inch cardboard square sleeve with a disc inside. Go Yuhaku and... I bent to get a closer look, and the th- 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 is there a thumb in my butt all of a sudden? Where do these clowns come from? The cardboard had once been white, <laughs> but now is brown. Well, cardboard, cardboard is brown. If it's white, ew. brown. Alf, please save me, Alf. Please. <laughs> brown. If we finally meet Alf in the story, and he's just smeared with shroud, like... <laughs> Trying to stick a thumb up my brow. I'm gonna be proud. Entirely intrigued. I bent to get a closer look. The cardboard had once been white, but had nearly had brown. I bent to get a closer look. The cardboard had once been white, but had clearly been soaked and dried. Out once or twice and stored in damp conditions. It was wrinkled and peeled and scuffed with filth. Brown. In a corner I could make out the image of three eggs in a line. The initials NHK written across them. The logo for Japan's public broadcasting station. I picked it up and turned it over and spanked it. On the back was some faded handwriting kanji which I had no chance of deciphering. And the kata, katakana? I tipped the sleeve sideways to let the disc slip into my hand. And up to that point I had expected to see the shiny blackness of vinyl. Instead I saw the silver of a laser disc catching the street light. Shimmering veins of electric blue like motor oil on water. Oh yeah, you just use every fucking word you can in the story about Alf. <laughs> Even so, there was a significant scratching in the odd patch where the aluminum surface had peeled, revealing the plastic beneath. Okay, there's so much goddamn detail in this story. I don't know what the disc was and wasn't convinced it would play at all, but it was significantly curious and the old guy obviously needing the money. Okay, so we're in like a gremlin scenario here. It's like, I'm just going to try and just fill in the blanks. Okay, I paid him a 500 yen coin and thanked him too politely because he didn't deserve polite thanking. Piece of shit. Laser disc. Thank you. Domo arigato. He bowed his head a little and I set off walking. The laser disc tucked under my arm. A few hundred feet away I heard him muttering and yelping and when I glanced back saw he was looking in my direction. I couldn't understand any of what he said and the wind blew gently taking his words away into treetops and high-rise apartment blocks and the light polluted night sky. There's a little pause symbol after this. That's clever. Brown. I didn't own a Laserdisc player, so the disc was forgotten for a couple of weeks. It spent some time on the coffee table, on the floor, under the sofa, propped up beside the TV, 
anywhere it could be ignored. Brown. I had no intention of ever doing anything with it and certainly wasn't going to buy a laser disc player just to find out the disc was damaged beyond repair. So what the the life of this laser disc that you don't even intend to play. Your life is fucking boring if this is what you're writing about. Let's get to the goddamn elf. An American friend was over one day and noticed the disc. He asked about why my shorts were so short and why my disc was hanging out. He asked about it and I told him how I had acquired it. I told him the long fucking boring story about how I bought this laser disc and how I had no intention of ever fucking playing it. It's a good thing I met this American guy who like totally knows what to do with a fucking laser disc when you get it. He agreed it looked unlikely to play and also couldn't read the handwritten kanji on the sleeve, but said he knew a Japanese technical expert with the equipment and know-how to potentially salvage it. He contacted him, and a couple of days later, when he was available, we visited him at his apartment. Oh, how nice. Did you have a nice brunch? Maybe some finger sandwiches and and discuss uh, world uh, current events? Most Japanese living rooms have the usual stuff. Seating, TV, dining table, etc. But in this apartment, the living room was full of sound and video equipment, computers, digital and analog tape decks, wires stretched and tangled everywhere monitor screens and speakers in stacks. He took one look at the laser disc and agreed there wouldn't be much surviving data, but what there was he could salvage. He had a high-end player called Muse High Vision, which he said could read through defects that a normal player couldn't, that ran through a processing amplifier into the capture card of one of his many PCs and the specialist software contained. He told us he would need time to clean it up and encode it, and we could leave him to it as it would be boring to watch. Not nearly as boring as it is to frown read about. Ha! Frown. We agreed and went to a nearby bar for a few beers and a couple of rounds of yakitori, grilled skewers of different parts of chicken, breast, neck, crispy skin, meatballs, heart, liver, cartilage. It's great beer food. Okay. (laughs) Our technical expert friend knew where we were and said he would be round to collect us when he'd finished. A couple of hours later, when we were nicely drunk and our bellies were full, of breast, neck, crispy skin, meatballs, heart, liver, cartilage, butt cheek, testicle, pinky toe, (laughs) intestines. (laughs) So much goddamn fucking detail in this story. It's about Alf. We're reading about Alf, remember? All this detail about Alf. Just as my friend was about to make a call, our technical expert was suddenly standing there beside our table. <laughs> His face was white and gaunt, whiter and gaunter than you'd expect from someone with such a dedication to digital technology. Uh, yeah, that's how I felt after I first saw Alf too. I remember I just turned pale. And he placed the laser disc with its sleeve and a black Duvda DVD box on the table. table. Without saying anything, he turned to leave. My friend and I looked at each other and he grabbed the techie's sleeve with a, wait! Despite his reluctance, we got him to sit with us and had a drink brought over for him. 
He quickly drank like he couldn't wait to be out of there and wouldn't answer any questions about what he'd found on the disc. He said it was all there on Avi, stored on the Duvda, and we should take it and get the fuck out of Dodge, you. He repeatedly warned us off watching it, which of course is not going to work. That never works. If you really don't want them to watch it, you just be like, no, didn't work, couldn't find anything on there. You should just move on with your lives. Yeah, why don't you go eat some more breast, neck, crispy skin, meatballs. Heart, liver, cartilage, chunky peanut butter, ham hocks, carne asada, <laughs> duck a l'orange. <laughs> oh, he repeatedly warned us. He repeatedly did I? He repeatedly warned us off watching it. He deleted it from his computer, and we would be well advised to destroy both dicks and forget about them. I asked him if he could read the scrawled kanji from the laser disc's sleeve. It meant nothing, he said. Nothing he could understand anyway. He said it was an ancient character set and compared it to me trying to decipher old English. Oh, yeah, when I drink a bunch of old English, it's really hard to understand shit. Written in the densest gothic script, he didn't want payment for his work. He just wanted to forget about it. But I managed to force three 1,000 yen notes up his into his hand. He thanked me repeatedly, graciously bowing his head and asked pathetically if he could go now. We said sure, and he got up and basically ran out of the door without another word, without even talking about Alf because nobody has fucking mentioned ALF. I feel like we're about 20 minutes into this excursion, and this thing is called ALF Autopsy, and I haven't even gotten halfway down the page yet, and they haven't made any clever quips. There hasn't been any attempts on any feline lives. There hasn't been any excessive TV watching and Hawaiian shirt wearing. I haven't seen any bad comb-overs. Where's ALF? Seriously, where's Alf? At this point, we could not understand his reaction at all. He was either a very eccentric and nervous man normally, or he had seen something terribly unsettling. Maybe it was the one where Alf gets diarrhea and spends the entire episode on the toilet. And on their planet, the planet of Melmac, they shit flaming worms. Oh, and they are so angry when they come out. They like to bite. Bite, 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 bite. We, of course, had had a few drinks and a couple of lines, and and uh, so we dismissed him as a weirdo and put our pants back on and laughed about it and said we wouldn't tell anybody about what happened. We should probably watch this fucking movie. Yeah, let's just forget about mm. Yeah, you, you need some Sprite? Yeah, right, rinse that out. Okay. But in retrospect, I know his behavior had been understandable. In fact, I think he held it together well just by bringing the discs to us. Soon we left the bar, excited to get back to my apartment, and oh, <laughs> this must be code for something, and watch the disc. <laughs> oh, I was so sore from watching, watching the disc last night. Seriously, I can't sit <laughs> for a week. And much to my regret, that is what we did. With a few cans of Chu Hai to keep the drinking mood going, I stuck the unlooped, uh, unlabeled Duvda into the drive of my laptop. There was one file on the disc, an avi with a random alphanumeric name, something like O O O dash lowercase A five four lowercase C four D V I dot. I double clicked it and full screened the video. 
It troubles me to think back to what we saw, those terrible sights that sobered us up and kept us from finishing our drinks, that has kept sleep away for most of the last five years and effectively ended our friendship, that ruined our night and troubled our lives. Regardless, I will try to remember all I saw of that video. A disgusting nightmare vision of what appeared to be the lost final episode of the 1980s American Family sitcom, ALF. The conclusion to the cliffhanger, which saw him captured by the alien task force. Oh, God. I'm having a fucking flashback because I remember they almost caught him in the last episode. The video began with a loud, high-pitched squealing sine wave tearing through our ears. On screen was a test card pattern, vertical bands of bright color at the top half, blocks of black, white, and gray at the bottom. So much detail. This remained on screen for about a minute, occasionally broken up by pixelated blocks of digital distortion, the whole while accompanied by the high-pitched sine wave. Suddenly nothing. Black screen and silence. The screen flickered like an old video cassette, presumably from an earlier analog-to-digital transfer. Oh, good assumption, yeah. And still the occasional explosions of digital distortion from the corrupted laser disc. The NHK logo began fading into the black background, but suddenly glitched out, the screen breaking up into pixelated blocks and shouting out with a burst of white noise that disappeared as quickly as it appeared. What remained on the flickering screen was a view down a dirty dimly lit corridor. The floor and walls appeared tiled like some sort of hospital, but filthy and damaged everywhere as though it had been the scene of floods and massacres. Most of the lights were out and the ones that worked flickered intermittently. The only sound was the occasional electronic buzz of the lights, almost too quiet to perceive. All down the corridor into the distance were double hospital doors with small windows in at eye level. Detail, detail, detail. A quiet, pathetic whimper or groan of pain and defeat emerged slowly through the electronic buzz. A tearful sobbing of someone reduced to helplessness by torture and humiliation. Suddenly, digital distortion ripped away the image and brought it back with the camera moving down the corridor and screaming guttural roars. Someone in one of the rooms was evidently being subjected to a heinous ordeal which words could not express. Only the scream of unanesthetized cutting and tearing. Up until this point, we had been fairly good-humored about the video, but something about the screaming and sobbing unsettled us. This was not the sound of acting, more the sound of real agony, the sound of someone or something being maimed and mauled by hands trained in the art of cruelty. As the camera continued down the corridor, and the screaming grew worse and worse, oh, so critical, other voices joined in, various desperate calls and screams in a range of pitches and bizarre alien language tore out, as if from beings imprisoned in the rooms leading off from the corridor. They howled in response to the pain of their fellow inmate, the screams built and built to a crescendo and the flickering video distortion worsened to the point that the picture was completely obscured. And just as the noise was so bad, I thought I would cry. More digital distortion and white noise ripped through everything. Mm -hmm. This is like, I watched Alpha Bunch, and this is just like, I mean, it's just like a complete ripoff of the show. It's like exactly what every episode is like. Just screams of agony, and just tearing and ripping, and... <sighs> 
the picture returned with an image that shocked us, made us cry out in horror and surprise, and almost an absurd burp of laughter. The chorus of screams was silenced, and the image on screen was so unexpected to us. The collision of the familiar childhood image with such unspeakable viciousness, a contradiction that broke our minds. Filling the screen was Alf, the alien life form from the TV series of the same name. The shot was close up, showing his head and shoulders from above as he lay strapped to a stainless steel dissection table. White light poured down on him from out of shot, making the image stark and overexposed even through the flicker of worn out video. He lay with his head to one side, his fur matted with dark blood, and various wires and electrodes penetrating the top of his head. He sobbed gently. Alf. His pain was unbearable. Alf. Genuine suffering which made us desperate to reach out and help a fellow living creature. Alf. His expression of pain was both human and animal. Okay, uh... Again, I watched Elf. Why the fuck would they end the series this way? That's like... <laughs> but at least we're finally getting some Elf. But you know what? Okay, we're about halfway through the story right now, and there hasn't been any one-liners. Like, you're missing the charm of the whole show. He says, like, terrible jokes that are, like, sexist and probably racist if I went back and, and, and watched them again, I'm sure. He was a terrible, terrible personality. I would say terrible human being, because he feels like a terrible human being. But but he's trapped in this tiny little hairy alien body. So again, I feel a kinship, just a terrible human being trapped in a tiny little hairy body. <sighs> but at least I try to be a good person and, uh, you know, I don't eat the cat. He began to turn his head. The effort was clearly about as much as he could muster. Oh, I've always liked that word, muster. And after a few failed attempts and tired whimpers, he faced the camera with closed eyes. More digital distortion and white noise than Alf opened his eyes, beaten and bloodshot, strangely humanized as though a person were trapped beneath Alf's skin. That's because it's a person in a suit. It's probably a small child. <laughs> he tried to speak. Please, I miss you. Because <laughs> he's not overdubbed because it's actually like a seven-year-old child <laughs> in this suit that doesn't breathe and like, you know, the fans inside are broken, so it's just like 200 degrees and they're a potato chip basically just soaked in their own feces at that point because it's coming out of their pores pissing and shitting from their pores please I miss you he croaked I miss you his words were translated into Japanese subtitles and as the title the word alf in the big white letters of that familiar font and its katakana Japanese subtitle translation appeared on screen alf let out a horrendous blood curdling scream ooh party foul this is a real bummer of an episode like way to go out worse than the last episode of Seinfeld. Out of breath and panting and screaming and screaming until his voice was hoarse. See, Mr. Ed, and he could scream no more. But still, between sobs and desperate gasps for breath, he screamed and screamed and screamed. He stared into the camera with those teared up, dying, pleading eyes staring at us, at me, and he screamed and scream. <laughs> it's Alf. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> oh, ha! <laughs> They're killing me! Ha! I, I wish I did a good Alf, but yeah. YouTube, Google him. Like they're doing, like they're Googling his head right now. You can go Google him and find out what he sounds like. He goes, ha! A bunch, because that's, I don't know why. He's actually a very terrible, terrible being. 
This must have gone on for a few minutes at least, and just when we thought we could take no more, just when the constant screaming was eating away at our very souls, that terrible saxophone music started. <laughs> we couldn't believe it. Along with the continued screams, the saxophone-led theme song from the third and fourth seasons of ALF began to play. It was that same music, but somehow raw, as if pushed through overloaded speakers and re-recorded onto a wax cylinder, then blasted out again in ear-splitting volume. So it basically sounds like Portis had remixed it. And in between interspersed cuts of jolly scenes from the past, shots of the Tanner family, credits starring Max Wright and Sheedon, and random rips of analog and digital distortion increasing in severity all the time were images of terrible torture. A close-up of a hand being drilled, a leg being hobbled with a sledgehammer, and all the while, hideous screaming and panting and screaming and crying. The quality of the footage was deteriorating still, and as the happy memories and torture and miserable wails and distortion, saxophone music and white noise coalesced, I began to feel sick. All those terrible experiences built up to a roar, and suddenly the video jumped and stuck on a loop. A split second of smiling Willie Tanner with starring Max Wright emblazoned across a full-body shot of Alf strapped to the tabletop with his torso peeled open, revealing the beating, bleeding insides of his alien anatomy. These two hideous images jumping, cutting, looping between each other at irregular intervals, all the while the screaming, the white noise, the distorting, lumpen saxophone stuck, 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 and I swear under the clamor, I could hear the maniacal laughter of Alf himself. Again, I... Did you see this show as a very young child and it emotionally scarred you and now you have an irrational fear uh, of Alf who's really just probably your creepy uncle who tried to touch your butthole once and who actually does eat cats? (laughs) Oh yeah, I love those cats. I spread them on the bagels. Oh, it's delish. All right. These two images looped for so long that I began to think it was the actual Abby that was skipping somehow, but checking it, I saw the VLC time slider moving along naturally. The looping continued until more serious distortion obliterated all sound and visuals, replacing them with pixelated blocks and indistinguishable noise. When the picture returned, it was of a lower quality still and the scene had changed. The camera, now camcorder quality, seemed to be lying slightly over to its side on a table looking across the room to the autopsy table where Alf lay strapped down. Lighting was dim and a green tinge to the picture suggested night vision. I knew it, night vision. Anytime there's aliens, there's night vision. The scene was obscured by someone stepping in front of the camera. Down in front person in doctor's scrubs, gloves and apron, all heavily stained with blood and feces. Oh yeah, that's just Willie. He just, after cooking all that meth, he really just needs to cut loose. They adjusted the camera slightly and stepped back out of shot. Alf, who may have been lying unconscious, seemed to come to and began mumbling and whimpering and begging, No! Ha! Please! Ha! No! Ha! Don't kill me! His head moving side to side slightly, he appeared delirious, distressed, and barely alive, barely alive. Ha! 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 Uh, (laughs) I wish I could do a good health. The doctor walked back into shot and stood with his back to the camera beside Alf and the autopsy table. 
His features were covered with a gray surgeon's hat and face mask and blood and feces and piss and shit. He stood over Alf looking down on him and appeared to be talking. We couldn't hear a word he said, just the occasional calm consonant penetrating through Alf's sobbing and pleading and the slight movements of head and shoulders. The scene remained unchanged except for the persistent random interference of distortion. For maybe five minutes, five minutes of an audible calm speech, unchanged except for occasional sudden jump cuts to the smiling faces of Kate, Lynn, and Brian Tanner who seemed to be looking on in curious glee. It was as though the surgeon, the torturer, was explaining matter-of-factly exactly what he was going to, to be doing to Alf. The sobbing and pleading continued throughout, then a brief flash of distortion and white noise leading suddenly to blackness. I don't know how long the blackness here lasted. It may not have even been on the video. Perhaps I passed out momentarily. A shock just left a blank hole in my memory. Whatever really happened when the picture came back, the scene had changed. Yet again, the camera was on the move, held in the hand of someone I presumed to be the surgeon not pointed at anything, but swinging about wildly with the movements of the arms. So I picture uh, Morrissey when he was performing Shoplifters of the World. Uh, instead of the mic, he's, he's holding the uh, camera. Look it up. Google it. They're Googling your brain right now, Alf. Shoplifters of the World. Vivisect the alien. This was dizzying, producing blurred effects of blood-stained walls and spilled gore like an abattoir Soon it steadied and swung around to the autopsy table where lay the mutilated headless corpse of Alf. Aww, Gordon. Jump cut, <laughs> no pun intended, to Kate, Lynn, and Brian in happy conversation. Camera panned along the body and upwards along towards the ceiling towards the source of an arrhythmic drip, drip of dark liquid. Ooh, they make their own microbrew too. Awesome. There, hanging by cables and wires, was the severed, silenced head of Alf. Finally silenced, because that motherfucker would never shut the fuck up. <laughs> His scalp shaved and ears snipped off to allow Alex access to the multi-eudinous penetrating electrodes. Electrodes. Okay. They really like to hook his brain up to shit for some reason. I don't know. Below the stump of his neck hung the spine, pulled from his body. And although I didn't notice the time in retrospect, it occurred to me there was something wrong. Oh, <laughs> now it occurs to you that there's something wrong. Well, obviously it was all wrong. Okay, good, good. I'm glad you have a conscience. I'm glad you know, awareness is the first step to not writing dark Alf fan fiction. <sighs> okay. I mean, there was something not as you'd expect about the spine. Oh, okay. <laughs> nerd. Rather than bones which ran half the length and terminating at a joint where they connected to a single thicker bone running down the rest of the way. Thinking back, I have become, become I have be thinking back, I have become convinced over time that Alf's spine was not a spine, but the bones I saw were the radius, ulna, and humerus of a human arm. As the camera held on the scene for a moment and the words created by Paul Fusco faded onto the screen, Alf's eyes blinked open and he looked directly into the camera. The voice of the cameraman sounded, the voice of the surgeon, the voice of Willie Tanner saying, Good morning, Alf. Alf screamed, a scream of guttural anguish, and the credit sequence rolled. Oh, not the credits again. Humorous pictures of Alf drinking from the toilet, trying on glasses peeking through the blinds. Not peeking like looking, P-E-E-K, which is how you 
It's P-E-A. Peeking through the... <laughs> wearing headphones while peeking through the blinds. All that stuff. But instead of the theme tune playing was just that screaming, desperate, panting, and screaming. Immediately as the video ended, I turned and was sick all over the arm of the sofa onto the wall. <laughs> sick and sick again. I rested again the arm, trying to recover my strength for a minute or two, and eventually looked over at my friend. He sat motionless, mouth clamped shut and eyes wide open and empty, hands held out in what could have been a shrug or begging or even praying. I called his name and got no response. I shook him by the knee, then the shoulder, and called his name again and again. Suddenly, he snapped out of it, and a little bit of life came back into his eyes. Just a bit. He looked around the room as if wondering where he was, and over at me, and at the straps that held him down, and at the strange hole where his penis used to be. We looked at each other, shocked and disbelieving, me wiping the remnants of his penis away from my mouth, and I felt the rise of more vomiting. Oh, God, I shouldn't have eaten so much penis before dinner. Seriously, it's so fattening. I rushed to the toilet and heaved and spat and sobbed through my mouth and nose. As this was going on, I heard the front door close. When I came out of the bathroom, my friend had gone. So had the laser disc and so had the DVD from my laptop. The disc tray was open and the VLC was open on the desktop, but the file was gone. Had I wanted to play it again, which I definitely did not, I wouldn't have been able to. After I'd cleaned up my vomit and failed to contact my friend, he wasn't answering his phone. I went to bed and failed to sleep. I lay for hours staring at the ceiling with terrible images running through my mind. At one point, I thought I heard a voice somewhere in the apartment and managed to buck up the courage to investigate and find nobody. I returned to bed with the lights on and drifted off eventually to fits of terrible, indefinable nightmares. I woke up wet with my own urine. I can't remember ever having done this before. <laughs> I didn't see or hear from my friend again and over time grew more disinclined to contact him. Now. If I saw him in the street, I think I would turn and walk the other way for fear of what might happen should our shared memories get together again, and I piss myself and soak myself in my urine. Since watching that video, I have suffered a severe sleep disorder and been through therapy to try to quell the constant obsessive repetition of unwanted extreme mental imagery and urine constantly soaking my khakis. A few months after watching the video, I returned home to England and haven't returned to Japan since. Although it was five years ago and 6,000 miles away, I still cannot get away from it. Japan will still not let me back in their country for constantly soaking everywhere I sat with urine. I carry the imagery with me in my head and in all of my stained underwear. And I suspect my old friend does too, for I stained his underwear as well. I don't know where he is or how he is doing, but last week I received an email headed ALF Autopsy from one of those anonymous temporary accounts. I deleted the email and powered down my computer and put on a pair of dry underwear. You have been listening to the Creepy Podcast, a presentation of the Vampire on a Pony Network, episode 17, all about lost episodes and shit. I am telling you now because our impotent hosts never said shit. Anyway, holler at the show, vampireonapony at gmail.com. Also, if you would like to donate to the podcast, go to www.dj4am.bandcamp.com and purchase any 
digital album. All back episodes of the Creepy Podcast are available in multiple formats. Spank you very much and very hard. Love you all madly. Hey Jason, was that good? Are we done now? Can you untie me? Please. Jason, where did you go? I hear breathing. Do I see Willy? Why is he wearing leather? Can you remove these needles from underneath my fingernails? And this tube you shoved up my John Thomas. I think it broke. And the thumb screws. Ouch. Plus, you slathered me with bacon fat and these rats are starting to eyeball me. Jason. Jason. Hello. I am sorry I said I like Drake. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Vincent Price. For our entree, I have chosen roast pork. Now, I choose a boneless roast because they are much easier to carve in front of my guests. My favorite is a boneless pork cereal. For six guests, I would buy a five to six pound roast. tell you, the smell of this roasting should drive the most complacent family wild with desire. Somehow, the kitchen starts to smell like some wonderful magic is taking place, and believe me, it is. Your reputation as a cook should take off from I always carve this roast at the table and surrounded with the blooms and the onion pieces. It makes a beautiful presentation and is quite easy to carve. The prunes taste divine, even prune haters love it. Sit back and enjoy the compliments. A full-bodied white wine is 
lovely with the pork roast, the Chenin Blanc could be continued, or a white burgundy would be superb. Guten Appetit, or as the Austrians say, Mahlzeit. Thank <laughs> you.